Hey, I'm Gretchen Bridgers of the Always a Lessons Empowering Educators podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, guys and gals, welcome back to Get Inspired and Innovate. Two episodes in a row, I get to talk about gaming. I'm excited, Hal. How about you? You excited about this? I'm excited, too. I, I'm getting into this Dungeons, Dragons, and videos, and action, and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I'm excited. We're going to make a gamer out of you yet. All right, so today we're going to talk about uh, the meta of esports. Uh, so, esports, uh, I've been trying to start a team here in, in my district for a while. Uh, it's kind of expensive, but we're trying to get everything rolling here. I think we're going to be going next year uh, is the plan. Uh, most of you know out there that uh, I'm in a school district of about 12,000, but also work in a virtual school. And our virtual school, uh, we're trying to come up with a plan of how to have an esports teams with us remotely. Uh, a lot of things that people don't know is, you know, I was a former coach. Uh, I was a state foot, uh, championship football uh, coach and bowling coach back-to-back -back years in both sports. Uh, and so there's a lot of coaching and things that go on there. But we're talking about video games now. So how do you, you know much about the coaching or anything that goes on in, in video games? I don't, but um, I'm, I'm interested to know more. And so I have worked at the middle level. And so at the middle level, Esports isn't as popular. We have a team at our high school, so I haven't been involved with like the conversations and organizing it. But this year, um, I got really close to our special education teacher. Um, part of that is probably because of my background. And as I was talking to him, he teaches junior high and he loves video games. And we were talking about how to add gaming into his classroom. And so he started like with the Kingdom of Hearts and the kids, um, their ID. So they like, they, it was so cool watching them. Um, it, it was helping them with reading comprehension. So it has like the storyline and they're reading it. And then they had to fight and he got an, an adapter. I don't, I don't even know what the correct wording is, but like an adapter video game holder. <laughs> I don't even think that's right. Um, <clears throat> and it was so this, that, so that this one student, she couldn't hold a controller, she could tap it and it would allow her to jump. Um, and I just thought that was really cool. And so we were working on this project and he was like, yeah, I love East, like I, I really wanna get into esports." And I, I asked him, I said, why can't we start a special Olympics esport? Uh, get some of these adapter uh, head, I don't even know what they're called, um, adapter, what are those <laughs> things? And, um, we should like look into this. And so we kind of put it on pause just because of the, the year, but I think we're looking into it. We, we did some tours um, and it, he just became really interested in it. And so that's kind of how I became interested. And I was like, special Olympics, this would be amazing. Like esports with like these adaptable controllers, controllers, that's the word um, that they can use to play their games. Um, and it was just exciting to hear because we had a student who was blind and so she had the adaptable controller and, and usually you can't play a video game. Like it, it's hard for her. And so everybody, like she had another student, they all had like jobs and one of the students was like, okay, you need to jump now. 
And so she would hit the thing and then she could hear the fighting and she got so excited. She couldn't see it, but she could hear it. Um, so I would like to learn more because I think a special Olympics e-sport, if it's not already out there, would be amazing to start up. Yeah, I agree, Stephanie. Now I'm going to, I don't want any stones casted at me here by, by our teachers here. In uh, all the years that I've taught high school math, uh, very, very, very rarely, maybe one or two of the students that I've ever taught math came back to me and thanked me for uh, teaching them how to do math. But I can tell you over the years, the football players, the bowlers that, that I have coached over the years, they've came back and they've thanked me for coaching them. They've came back, they've, they've thanked me for teaching them the team building skills that they need, how to, you know, uh, conflict resolute. Because believe it or not, even though we're all on the same team, we don't always get along. And there's conflict sometimes, and we got to somehow figure out that conflict. So I got to thinking about, you know, six, seven years ago, you know, it would be great if we could have this experience for everybody. Because we all have to work in teams somehow. Uh, we all have to conflict resolute. And, and we don't see that in the classroom as much, but I saw it in my teams. Uh, so how do we get, and I'm going to use this word, no stones casting yet, how do we get my nerdy kids, like my daughter, you know, involved in something like this when she doesn't like sports. She doesn't want to do that. So I'm hoping that our guest here today can can help us figure out a lot of these obstacles that we're running into and, and explain to us what uh, meta of esports means here. So we got Miss Danielle Johnson joining us today. She is an innovator from the Southeast Asia 2019 class. Uh, she now is a um, she, is, she now teaches CTE for uh, design and technology, and she is at Barbara Bush Middle School in Texas, and she is formerly a history teacher. So welcome to the show today, Danielle. Hi, thanks for having me. So tell us all about this, this eSports e stuff. I, I kind of see it from my side of it, from a coaching side of it, but what are you seeing out there, uh, and how is it going to help our, our students in the future? You actually nailed it. It's the same exact skill set as our traditional athletes, the team building, the conflict resolution, the working through, you know, the tilt and the rage and, you know, calming yourself back down to get back in the game. Um, all of those skills are in esports as well. And that is where a lot of the value lies is in those those soft skills, the things that, you know, we can't test, we can't really quantify, we can't always get at in the classroom, but you can in a team competitive aspect. And in Texas, athletics is the number one stay in school program in the state. And it's because kids are connected to school and to each other. And esports is no different. So you was talking about rage there for a minute. So is, is there such thing as rage in video games? Uh, what? Never. Rage quitting is totally not a thing. Um, <laughs> I, I, was, so... I was actually kind of lying there. I actually, there, there was one game. Oh, I, I, I can't remember which game it was that, that my daughter and I used to watch people play on YouTube and they're like throwing their controllers through walls and things like that because of the rage they were getting from it. It was one of them that you die real quick in just very easily. I don't know. You might know who, what it is. Oh, it's every game. Like every gamer struggles with that, that level of frustration of just being, you know, in the moment and really trying something and it, you know, you get 
knocked off, knocked off your course or like you're just having a bad run. And that frustration is real. You know, we see it in, in athletics, you know, um, but because athletics is physical and they're already being physical, you don't notice the physical reactions quite as much, but when someone is sitting playing a game and they're not having that like physical, like interactions with anyone else, it is really clear when that rage hits. Um, and I'll be straight up honest. We've had this problem in my house. My son broke his monitor. Um, when he was really upset one time, it got knocked over when he was, you know, he also was watching some of those YouTube videos with some really bad modeling on how to handle your emotional, your emotional craziness. Um, and so we had to, we had some real, uh, social emotional skill lessons in this house around, okay, so how do we actually deal with anger? What YouTubers are we no longer watching? Um, because that sets a really bad example for how, how to handle yourself in those situations. And that's why we as teachers, the more we can bring this into the classroom and have the, the play sessions, you know, that like safety net around these, these more emotional situations for kids, then the better they're going to be able to handle it. Yeah. And I think too, like just teaching those kids, those skills. And so when you think about sports and like basketball, you know, they might do sprints. What kind of pre warm up activities might a gamer do? Physical health is incredibly important in esports as it is in traditional sports, but it works a little bit differently we don't have the, this, we're not stuck to a seasonality because you don't have to be in top physical condition for a short amount of time, you know, where you don't have to like have that peak, you know, that builds up getting there, being in condition during the season and then kind of that off period, um, and that off season. So gamers are go a little bit more in fits and starts where they'll play a game for a month and then they get frustrated, put it down, go to something else. Um, but before competitions, kids have to, you know, rest and eat well, but playing the same game, staring at a monitor for four or five hours at a time takes a ton of stamina. And it also takes that like mental fortitude to be able to know that, okay, I do need to take a break. I need to eat something. Um, I am frustrated and I need to get back on track. Um, so there's, there's some physical, physical stuff involved. Um, but for warmups, it's a lot like another traditional sport. You know, you, you practice with your team, like you kind of scrimmage, um, you run drills before, before a game and between events. So esports tournaments run a lot like track meets where you have to get everybody there at the same time, but not everybody's events are going on at the same time. And so there's some downtime between events for kids and they have to stay playing. So if they have a buy rounds in a tournament, they're typically playing against like their friends during that time period so that they can stay mentally present. So you talked about uh, meta earlier. So, so what does the acronym meta mean and, and what is, how does that help us relate it to esports? So meta, you know, in education, that like thinking of thinking, but meta in gaming is an acronym for most effective tactics available. 
And honestly, that is my, my new classroom motto is like, we're going to do it the most effective way possible. Um, and so it's about strategy, like learning the strategies for, for the games, learning that emotional self-regulation, learning teamwork strategies. Um, but also a team is much more than just the players. So just like traditional sports teams have, you know, the trainers, the managers that, that kind of support, um, the effective tactics for being a successful team also involve your media and your, your communication. And so a team without a production crew is just playing games. So you don't have an audience without a production crew. And so the most effective way to, you know, get your fans and to, to get support is to make sure that you also have some other people that aren't even gamers that are super involved and active in your team. Some of the college teams, they have like, there's a dungeon master position at one of the college esports teams in Texas. And the, the coach is hoping to make the dungeon master scholarship position because that, that community piece is so essential to how their team functions. And it's a really unique a really unique thing, but having the announcers, the shout casting, the production and the, the, the social media and the graphics people, that is all also part of having an effective team, which is something that is actually, I feel much bigger than traditional sports because how many times is, are there students doing the announcing for Friday night football? Never. And so, but kids are the ones doing all the production for esports. So, so I asked you a couple of questions about that. So, you know, I understand there's equipment that you need for, uh, you know, computers and monitors and gaming headsets and controllers, Stephanie, uh, that the students need to be able to play, you know, like Rocket League and stuff like that. By the way, the the game that I thought of was Dark Souls that I saw the rage quitting on. Yeah, yeah, there's there's a lot out there for Dark Souls. Uh, that's rated M. So if we have any young listeners, don't go watch those <laughs> videos. Um, but anyways, uh, for for production, are y'all what what are y'all using for your production? Are you using like OBS or y'all uh, using tweet decks or, or stream decks? What 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 are you guys using to to pr produce all of that out? Most schools or teams that do production use OBS because Open Broadcaster Studio um, is free. It is powerful and it is kind of user-friendly if you put a couple of add-ons in there. But most, most high school students that are at least a little bit tech savvy can figure it out. Um, but it doesn't even require that. So we use Zoom a lot a lot, a lot. So one person will have, you know, the Rocket League match pulled up and be sharing this, like be hosting the call. And so they'll have the shoutcaster and the screen share and the shoutcaster doesn't even have a camera on. And so there's absolutely like no reason to go out. If you want to have these amazing experiences for your students, you don't have to blow a budget. You don't have to go to your school district and ask for a hundred thousand dollars. Um, you really need like just making sure that you can get stuff on the network is pretty much like the biggest hurdle. Um, because if your school has computers that run Photoshop, they will run all of the games. If it will run CAD, it will run all of the games. Um, and so in some of the most popular games are cross-platform 
anyway, so like Fortnite, the kids can play from their phone and it's, they're playing in the same game. Um, and so, yeah, for the production, generally OBS, that uh, open source broadcasting studio, um, there's a learning curve to it, but it's nothing outrageous. And once they learn it, honestly, like that's a skill they can get a job at tomorrow. Like the kids don't have to wait to graduate to go work in esports. If they can run a stream, there are so few live production people for esports that companies hire high schoolers and train them. Yeah. Like that's so, a fifteen to twenty five dollar an hour after school job. Yeah, you can do from anywhere. Yeah, and that's actually what I use to to run our streams for for Zooms. Uh, we use Open uh, OBS here, and then. We, uh, we use the virtual camera to send all that out. So mm -hmm. very, very similar there. Uh, so you was talking uh, a few minutes ago with your acronym META. Uh, I, I want to focus on the word available there because as, uh, as a high school football coach, uh, we did a lot of film watching. Uh, so we, we, watched, uh, we watched our other teams before we ever played them. We knew their strengths. We knew their weaknesses. And we would try to attack their weaknesses. So uh, in eSports, I, I know that you have plays. And, you know, I've watched enough Rocket League that I know that you got, you know, you set picks for one another. You got distractors that are running left and right and here and there. But do you watch film on your, on your opponents and, and set a game plan up for each, for each uh, match that you have? Uh, that would require me understanding the game better than I do. Um, so one of the mythical barriers to entry into bringing esports to your schools is that you actually have to know how to do it. Um, you don't have to know anything about these games. We actually don't even call the teachers in charge coaches. We call them managers. Because even if they are experts in one game and can coach it, there is no way that they are going to be experts in all of the titles. And so... That is, that is like a, you don't have to know the games that well. Um, but yes, the kids do watch each other. So I personally, cause I, I do middle school, right? Like we're, we show up and that is, that is success. Um, we've won a couple, which is like, makes it even better, but like playing every game was the success. Um, but yeah, we do practice and watch film. Uh, definitely the, the top level competitors do. We actually have students that are, the, the, the high school teams are better ranked than many of the college teams um, because the kids that are very dedicated definitely do watch and definitely do go back and look at their, their gameplay um, in order to facilitate that. Because like I said, there's no way that every manager is going to be an expert in any type so for our organization, which is Texas Scholastic Esports Federation or TexF, um, we actually, for the game that has the biggest learning curve, League of Legends, we ran a League of Legends Academy on Thursday nights. And so it was for like all levels. We ran it through Discord. So there were different, different topics and we had experts come in for each of those topics and they would talk about different things and review, review gameplay from the week before. Um, because there's no way that one person can do that. And so one of the beauties of the esports EDU community is that we are all in this together and it is so new that none of us really know what we're doing. And so we get to make it up as we go along. And so we decided to make it up together. And our League of Legends Academy ended up being like a bunch of states and actually a couple of international um, 
contributors That's became amazing. part of it. And so, yeah, we do, we do uh, a lot of very similar things, but in a very different method, like a di- very different approach to it. So, so what about support? Let's say that uh, Stephanie or I wanted to, to start an esports team. Um, how, how do you support people wanting to start it? And then how do you support uh, your managers, as you said, that are, you know, just learning it? How, what, is there any support mechanisms out there? There are 14 states that have teacher-run nonprofit leagues for their state. So just like Texas does, um, actually there's 20, but uh, a couple of those are not run by teachers. So, but there are 14 states that have teachers that are running the leagues. And, and how do so, I find this? How do I find this information? <laughs> so uh, you can actually Google whatever your state is and school esports. You might have to go down a couple because the top couple categories are going to be some for-profit companies, but you'll find... Um, maybe include the word not like plus nonprofit um, and you'll find those, those organizations. Um, and actually if you follow the TechSF Twitter or the TechSF Twitch account, we stream um, like we restream a lot of stuff from the other States and we're actually playing an interstate uh, rocket league tournament on July 10th. So there's 11 States. It's the top team from 11 States. Like I said, it's entirely put on by teachers Um because we see the value in this and there are some for-profit companies that want to monetize our students. Um, And so teachers around the country just decided that was not going to happen and started building up these organizations around esports in their communities. And because the interest is so high, it just kept growing in pretty much every state. So there are a couple of states that um, are in process of organizing and getting some teacher run leagues. And if anybody listening, you know, is like, wait, you just start. Yeah, you just start it. Like I tried to start a six team middle school league for the six teams in my district or six schools in my district. And now it's a freaking statewide program um, in a year and a half. And so and I don't understand most of the titles we play. Like I had to ask somebody how long these matches were because I didn't know. Um, it's a lot like, you know, falling into ad tech. You don't realize that you, you can do this because organizing people and organizing students is the same no matter what you're actually doing. And I love that with esports it's pretty much the kids they're they're in charge and i think that's different than any other sport like you said like football games why don't we have the kids um over the announcements why why is it adult you know like why don't we allow kids to do more of that and i love that esports is kind of leading that way and hopefully that will kind of change and it's because we don't know how and that's the blessing of it i guess is that the kids do. And so we have to listen to them. Um, speaking of meta, this is, this is something that really happened. Um, in Overwatch, a game that I don't really understand, it's 6v6 and they're battling about something, right? Um, and when you die, you respawn. So there's this whole concept of spawn camping, which is where you're at the, the opponent team camps out near where the other team rebirths or spawns and kills them right as they respawn and we had a little bit of a mismatch we had a really really good team against a pretty average team and the good team decided to spawn camp 
which is probably okay. Like if you're, if you're neck and neck, you want to use the most effective tactics available, but if you're, you know, a little bit of a mismatch, you don't want to, you don't want to play like that. Right. Um, and that's kind of what was happening in after the match, because there was no, we don't have a rule against it because it is the most effective tactic available in a lot of situations. And the students, these are high schoolers are in our discord server and they are actually one team, the two teams involved were discussing when and why should you spawn camp and when and why should you lay off if you realize you're in a mismatch and they were having a a written virtual debate and it was something you could not script for a classroom like it is the holy grail of classroom where it is a real life situation connecting kids from across different places where they are having a debate with evidence and backup and, you know, using all of their persuasive techniques and all of their, the writing skills and communication skills that they've learned in the, you know, decade they've been in school on a problem that actually affects them. And there was a point in the conversation, they were like, yeah, the adults are probably going to jump in here and tell us to quit it. And several of us at the same time were like, no, 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 keep going because whatever you guys come up with is going to be our rule or going to be our norm. And so this is literally something we're building with the kids um, because there is no way that these millennials know how to do any of this without the students. And it is so fun. That is awesome. We're going to go on to our next segment, which is our meme and quote. So Danielle, what meme or quote did you bring this week? There is a quote from the book, The Little Prince, and it is, you are responsible forever for what you tame. And I, I read the little prince, you know, in school, um, but a good friend, uh, James O'Hagan, who is over the digital and personal learning for Racine Unified in, in Wisconsin, um, and is also over their, their pretty fantastic esports program for all their schools. This is something that he says, and you're responsible for the programs you start in your school. And if you want to come start an esports program and you have all this hype um, and it's not, you know, well structured, but it's and it's a single teacher driven. As soon as that teacher leaves, that program dissolves and you you leave those students not worse than you you came in, but you like dropped it for them, you know, um, and the, the programs that we start need to actively look like our schools and our communities. It should not be all the middle-class white kids that are in these programs. It means that like you have to actively recruit and maintain girls and students of color. It means you have to actively like monitor your community and um, make sure that it is safe and welcoming and inviting for everybody um, that you are having you know, discussions about rules and strategy and sportsmanship um, and not just creating these programs because you think they'll be cool or you think it's flashy or it's like the next big thing to save education. Mm. Um, for those of you that aren't seeing this, everybody just rolled their eyes. Um, <laughs> so, but you, you're responsible for the things that you create and you're responsible for the, the creations that come after it that are modeled on yours. 
So you're responsible forever for what you tame. I think that's really a great point that, yeah, we are responsible. And I love that you said, be actively seeking, um, which is really interesting because I think sometimes we wait for people to come to us when we, we really should be actively seeking and asking like, Hey, how else can we help? Instead of waiting for someone to say, can you do this? You need to be that go-getter type of person. Diversity in esports. Whenever I get the opportunity to ask someone in the business community, how do we include more women and, you know, gamers of color, you know, LBGTQ gamers, they'll go, oh, as programs get bigger, they'll just naturally increase. And I'm like, no, that's not how that works. Um, If we learned anything from women's sports, it is that you have to actively like push these programs and recruit and maintain and support these programs so that they become institutionalized, that they are just part of everyday living. And it's not enough to build to if they if you build it they will come no that's not how it works if there is a room full of boys a girl that wants to play a game is going to be 90% of the time too anxious to walk in and that changes when you have a female coach that changes if you even if it, the the person over the program is a dude like invite a female teacher to be part of it um, invite a teacher of color to be part of it because you never know who will come in the room because they see who's in the room. So you have to actively work to make sure that it doesn't look like a family reunion. Yeah, I love that. Um, so mine is a little different this week. Uh, I, w- I was thinking meme, but I've been reading a book. It's onward. It's about coaching and it's been really good. And Uh, For me, after this past year, I've been like reflecting on how I can kind of set up some boundaries so I'm not working 24 seven. So mine is an early morning walk is a blessing for the whole day. And in this book, it's just talking about exercise and how to treat our bodies. And I think that's so true. Like we need to walk, we need to exercise. And when you're walking, you're able to reflect on how things are going and what you need to do. And maybe that's some of those actionable steps like, okay, now that I've reflected, like, what, what do I need to go do to, um, enforce or recruit some people Lance? Yep. So I've got a quote here from Steve Bornstein, which was the uh, former CEO of ESPN and of NFL network. So a guy who obviously knows sports well, and he says that esports will rival the biggest traditional sports leagues in terms of future opportunities. And for our listeners out there, in case you don't know, there was more people last year who watched the esports finals than watched the Super Bowl last year. So more people watched that and tuned into that than watched the Super Bowl last year. Esports is here to stay. It's not going away. Uh, and eventually it's going to outgrow our other sports, I believe. Yeah, I'm shocked it didn't get as popular before, like like now, you know, like now it's starting where I feel like it could have started maybe a couple of years ago. Um, so we're going to go on to our next segment, which is um, something that you've learned that can be innovative for tomorrow. Danielle, what's something that you've learned that you can share with others? I don't know everything, um, and that's okay. So one of the things that I feel like I learn every day is that I just need to be exactly like not put on airs or put on pretense that I know what I'm talking about in a lot of situations. Um, I 
through this esports journey intersection craziness. Um, I've had to step out into the business community a lot. And sometimes I am just clueless about some of these processes. I don't know how to negotiate with vendors and I don't know how to write partnership agreements. And I have to be okay being, hey, I'm a middle school teacher and I'm really good at a lot of things, but this is an area where I am so clueless and I need help. Yeah, I love that. If you need help negotiating, my boss and I, we do, we're nego- we negotiate everything. Yeah. Lance is your person. I am not. <laughs> I'm like, Lance, I'm like, you, you help me. <laughs> like negotiating, even like what is taxable and non-taxable for a nonprofit organization. Like, I don't know this. Yeah. Um, luckily, you know, as teachers, we are students of being students. Um, so my share is I am learning to create my own timers. I know that sounds like crazy, um, but it's like a stop motion slide. And then I'm able to add fun backgrounds. So I've been using slides mania cause I love Paula. Um, and then I have added all of the different times and then I publish it and um, change it, but I, I'm getting really excited. Cause like when I go to YouTube, I don't like the timers. <laughs> um, they're like, they don't fit my slide theme or the, like what I, I know it's crazy, but I'm really excited because I, I did that and I learned it. Lance. <laughs> awesome. Uh, I've got a, a website here that I'm sharing. It's called Starfall. Uh, it's one I ran up on. Uh, it's for, it's for the K3 people that's out there. Uh, and I'll click through it just so the p- people here with us can see it. But uh, you go through, it's got like phonics and it's got like read alouds and things like that. Of course, being a math teacher, I go straight to the uh, geometry and measurement section. And uh, I like the weight one here. So what this does is it throws like random objects on a scale and it wants uh, the students to weigh it. So it's talking, it's talking to me the whole time that it's going on. So it's telling the students, you know, to go ahead and weigh this. So there's a frog that's on one side and then I've got weights here and then pounds that's there. And it's not really about getting the right answer on the first or second try. It's about, you know, the process of thinking. So I'm going to throw this 25 pound. And obviously it tells me all of a sudden that's way, that's way too much weight. So I'm going to take that out and then I'll go 10 and I'll grab that up. Oh, still too much. All right. So I'm going to go to five and five. It's close, but it's just a little bit over. So I will keep trying until I get it right. And again, it's talking to me the whole time, coaching me on. And finally, yeah, I get it right. It's, it's four. So really it's teaching students about how to, how to think through the process. Uh, and then it works with them with reading and knowing their words. You can click the little ear here again. It'll play, uh, read it to you again. You know, and then when you're ready to go on the next one, you just click the arrow. It's going to drop you another little one uh, item in there and you wait. Just a cute, fun little game that you can do with your students to get them thinking through the process of, you know, how, you know, what's less than, what's greater than, this is too much, what I need to do here. It's all right there for you, starfall.com. Yeah, and I like that it, you know, it had the turtle and then the dog. So is the turtle going to weigh more? You know, like you could do some of those conversations with the kids. Um, So thank you so much for listening to Get Inspired and Innovate. Danielle, how can people connect with you? You can email me, Danielle, D-A-N-I-E-L-L-E at techsef, T-E-X-S-E-F dot org, or find me on Twitter at iheartmissjohnson. 
And make sure all those links and resources will be in the show notes. So make sure you check out our website at getinspiredandinnovate.com. If you were interested in following up or emailing Danielle, you can do find all those links there. Um, but until next time, hopefully we're talking about gaming again, or, or will we? I don't know. Um, but thank you guys so much for listening.